everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wake Up and Grow. I am your host, Natalie Benninger. Um, so last week we did not produce an episode because I was out of town, and I felt like I didn't really devote enough. I really hadn't devoted enough time to this episode to give it to you quite yet. So this is why we're producing this week instead of last week. When this episode comes out, it will be Memorial Day, the 29th, yes. I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend, and if you're a vet, thank you. If you're currently serving, thank you. And thank you to all of our veterans and those who are currently serving our country. Also, yesterday, Sunday, was Pentecost Sunday, and that is... An episode I would love to do, but I forgot that it was this Sunday. <laughs> so this this episode is not about Pentecost Sunday, unfortunately. That's something I would love to do later on. But today I would like to start us off by reading James chapter two, verses fourteen and seventeen. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I just realized that I did not mention the title of today's episode, but it is titled Dead Faith. If you are anything like me, if you have a similar mindset as mine, then it probably takes you a while to read a non-fiction piece of writing, whether that's like a a biography, um, an essay, journal, report, etc. But for me, the reason why that is, is because I get caught up in dissecting the words people use in their writing. Sometimes this happens with fictional writing, but it's mostly nonfiction because I'm not trying to visualize what's going on as I do with fiction. But anyways, I will often find myself wondering why the author chose to use that specific word to describe whatever it is they're describing. And part of me wonders if I should have studied linguistics, (laughs) but I did not. But this this very same complex that I have had me stuck in chapter 2 of James for much longer than most people probably. And I do this a lot with reading scripture as well, other, other passages in scripture. But what I was caught up on in James was the title of this section. And in the ESV it's titled, Faith without works is dead. And that derives from that verse 17 that I just read to you guys. And the word that my brain latched onto and was questioning, maybe not questioning, but like wondering about, was the word dead. 
When writing this passage, James could have used a plethora of adjectives to describe faith without works. For example, he could have said, faith without works is weak. Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is powerless. Faith without works is obsolete. It, there's a ton. But he specifically uses the word dead. And then this caused my detail-oriented brain to question why is it then when you remove works from faith why does it die and to answer that well actually before I answer that I think we should get a better understanding of what faith is along with works and this death that faith experiences so I'm gonna go through scripture and define those three things. So I'm gonna start with faith. And according to Hebrews chapter 11 verse one, in the ESV, and I'm gonna actually compare two different versions here. But according to Hebrews chapter 11 verse one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions the conviction of things not seen if we look in the nlt it's the same thing but it's just described with different words and in my personal opinion the nlt can sometimes be easier to understand for my brain at least but according to the NLT faith shows the reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of things we cannot see and to use a tangible example I have faith in the bed that I'm sitting on right now as I record this I have faith that it's going to be able to hold up my weight. I can't see the physics behind it. I can't visually monitor its structural work as it supports me. But I know that it's doing its job and it's doing so without fail. Has been since I've had this bed. <laughs> like I said, that was a very worldly and tangible example of the faith that we should have in God. Though we can't see him, we believe and have faith that he is there and is working. So that was faith. To define death, I want us to briefly put on a secular worldview. And again, emphasis on the word briefly. Within the secular world, to die means to cease in existence, to no longer be. As Christians, we understand and know that death is not the end of existence. But in order to understand what James meant, I think it's important to bring that viewpoint up. And finally, I will define works. And works are simply our actions and deeds. 
having those three words defined, we can conclude that when we remove our actions or deeds from our faith, which is the evidence of things we cannot see but believe in slash trust, namely God, our faith ceases to exist. It dies and is no more. Boil that down to one simple sentence. <laughs> if we remove our works, we kill our faith. So why does James choose such a dramatic word to describe faith in this circumstance? Because he needed his readers to understand the importance of applying our faith to works. It is not enough when trying to live the life God has called us to live to just believe in him and put our faith in him. We also have to do. And the opposite is true. If we only do good deeds without the prompting of our faith, there's simply no point in those good deeds. They're nil. They're, there's no value to them. And James gives us a great example of this in that same chapter, chapter 2, but verses 15 and 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, and be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Yes. Pray for those who you know are in need. Pray in faith that their needs will be met. But... If you are able to meet their needs in that moment, do so. That's essentially what James was saying with that little section, is you might be the hand that God is going to work through in their life. So be willing to do work for them. Be willing to do the work of God and not just believe it will happen. If we go down to verses 19 and 20, we see that when we neglect to put our faith into action, we, and this is kind of harsh, but we become no different than the demons from hell, because even they believe in God. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? That faith apart from works is useless. As Christians, our actions distinguish and separate us from the rest of the world. We're made to stand out. And I've said this a lot in previous episodes. But I think it it's worth reiterating. The phrase, actions speak louder than words, is incredibly true. And if I can put on my psychology hat here, most people 
when evaluating someone else, you know, making a first impression, will analyze the other person's actions or their body language more than they will the words that that person is saying. And this is because even though we have control over the words we say and we can say whatever we could lie to that person straight to their face, our body language doesn't lie. Now with, with pathological liars, people who have gotten good at the um, action of conning and lying, they do have some control over their body language, but even then, there are some things that you can't fake, that your body can't fake, even if your words say something else. And to give you an example, if you smile without genuine joy, happiness, or amusement, most people can tell that that smile is fake or forced. And the reason is, when you smile genuinely, that action causes, for some people, depending on the way your muscles are shaped and all that in the face, but often it causes what we call smile creases, or some people call them crow's feet, at the corner, outer corners of your eyes, and it affects other facial features depending on the way you smile and how big your smile is, but it's pretty, it's usually pretty clear whether a smile is fake or genuine. But our faith and our actions are pretty similar, in my opinion. We can tell people all about our faith, but until we act in genuine faith, they are less likely to believe us or take our faith seriously. We live in a world where taking someone at their word is a struggle. I think especially during this current day and age, we have to prove to the world that our faith is real and not just on the surface level faith. And you guys know that I have an obsession with plants, and so yes, there is a plant analogy. I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> If you think about the relationship between faith and works, you could look at it like a plant or a fruit tree. The roots, which anchor the plant to the ground and nourish it, would be our faith. And we are anchored in God and receive his spiritual nourishment through our faith. The nourishment and support from the roots produce the fruits or the flowers of the plant. And those would be our works, the fruits and flowers. Our faith in God produces the deeds we do. We see multiple times throughout scripture that God and, and Jesus emphasize on the fruits that we produce. And that we must be fruitful and produce fruits in faith. Our faith produces our works, 
and our works prove our faith. They work in tandem with each other, strengthening our relationship with God and our relationship with others simultaneously. Faith being between you and God, works being between you and others. Without our faith being the motive for our works, others may never get a glimpse of who God really is. They would just see us if our faith were not the true motive for our works. And the same is true if we have faith but refuse to go out and do the work that it requires of us. And I know this episode's kind of short, but I would like to end it by just reading that portion of James to you guys, or with you, if you have your Bibles out still. James chapter 2, verses 11, or, sorry. Verses 14 through 26. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say to them, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His action made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I want to thank you again for listening and remind you that Wake Up and Grow releases episodes bi-weekly. This is every other Monday. And I encourage you to go give Wake Up and Grow a follow on Instagram at Wug Podcast. 
that's spelled W-U-G podcast, and go find Wake Up and Grow on Facebook. Also, don't forget to check out the merch store, which is still open. I'm your host, Natalie Benninger, and thank you for listening. Thank you.